This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have the group from Yukonuba with me again. Yukonuba is our lead sponsor this year in Chicago. Chicago uh, hits August 13th. If you're looking for any type of information about our lead sponsor or the other sponsors, go to hitsk9.net. So again, our group from uh, Yukonuba is very passionate about our working dogs. So they're here today to kind of give us some information about dog food labels, some of the confusion that I've always had when I look at a dog food label. What's good? What's good? What's bad? What should I look for? So I'd ask Dr. Klein and and company to maybe jump back on the show today, go over just some stuff just for us to be able to, to know what we're looking at when we look at a dog food label. So welcome, Dr. Klein. How are you today? I'm well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, taking the time again to jump on here with us. I know you guys are busy, but I appreciate you guys uh, sharing some good information with our listeners today. It is always nice to chat with you and your listeners, particularly when we get to talk about nutrition. I mean, how exciting is that? There you go. Who else do you have with you today? Um, With me today, I have Russ Kelly, who is the program manager for the service sporting and working dog um, component of Yukonuba and Royal Canaan. So Russ's job is to find the next best innovation in feeding or managing working service and sporting dogs. And I also have Corey Norton, our industry manager for Yukonuba, and his role is to um, sort of be the conduit for any and all questions related to Yukonuba um, from the, the working dog segment. Okay, I'll say, what is, can you, just for our listeners, uh, what is your position at Yukonuba, doctor? Um, thanks for asking. Um, so my role is I have the um, honor of running the American arm of Royal Canaan Yukonuba R&D. Um, and sort of what we talked about a little bit last time, we're pretty lucky because we're a bunch of uh, crazy, uh, high-energy, dog-loving people. Um, So we get to not only live our passion uh, at work by working with uh, sporting service and working dogs, but also at home because uh, we all have dogs who have jobs at home as well. Outstanding. So you got both both, uh, passions going with the the working and the nutrition part of it. So I know you and I had talked a couple years ago at HITS. And I'd ask you some questions, and then we'd end up doing a class. And today we're uh, going to go over, just for for people like me that, you know, I, I know how to train a dog. I know how to feed a dog. I know general parts of, you know, good food, bad food. But I'm not very well versed in that, nor are a lot of handlers. And over the years, I've been to lots of classes, um, and I think maybe they go over labels very generically. So if we can maybe get into the weeds a little bit about What's good? What's bad? What are some of the supplements that uh, I should look for? Um, and basically, what what should I look for in a dog food label? You know, it's it's interesting because, uh, unfortunately, 
our dog food labels don't allow us um, to provide a, as much information as the segment of working dog people really need to know about their foods. In fact, most of the time, what you get when you look at the bag is the sort of over top line. Um, your vet tells you to look at the amount of protein in the diet or the amount of fat in the diet and um, to use those two things to predict what's a good pet food, right? And in reality, it's not so much only about the protein and the fat because although those things are important, there are four other nutrient classes that are equally important, um, if not more so in some cases, to protein and fat in, in terms of making uh, the right nutritional decisions for your dog. So Russ, do you want to highlight um, the different classes of nutrients? And then maybe we can focus a bit on, on the ones that people don't talk about so much? Sure. Thanks, Jill. Uh, so in, in terms of the, as Jill said, there's six nutrient classes and uh, one of those and, and the one who you don't hear very much about, but in fact is the, the largest nutrient requirement is water uh, and hydration, as we all know, is extremely important for the, for the functionality and health of the, of the dog. And uh, in addition to, we have protein and fat, as Jill mentioned, uh, also the carbohydrates, uh, and then the vitamins and minerals. And if we if we think about in terms of nutrition, most of the time, as Jill pointed out, uh, when when people go and look at a food, you know that question they they ask themselves is how much protein, how much fat does it have? But really, uh, in terms of what the the digging that they do in terms of the the food from that point on is pretty light. Um, uh, and, sure. And if we move into two of those two of those categories, the vitamins and the minerals, uh, they really don't get much attention at all, uh, which is unfortunate given the, given the importance of, of their actions um, for the dog's functionality and health. Um, if we look at, you know, I'm going to say if we, if we take a look at, at even like the B, uh, the B uh, family of B uh, complex vitamins, they are involved with almost every physiological activity that that takes place, uh, from energy conversion to activation of of our mitochondria, which are the the sort of power powerhouses of our body, uh, to uh, activating digestive enzymes. Uh, so these the the vitamins are are very very important when it comes to the the health and well being of the of the dog and the performance of the the animal. My question would be: Where does somebody like me start on this? Is there a, a simple? There's not really obviously a simple formula. So where would I, if I'm starting to look at labels, what would be a good starting point? I, I think the first thing um, to to explain is that. Um, Unfortunately, when you're looking at the label and you get down to all of those minor ingredients, we are required by law to use their scientific name for them. So sometimes things that are really important but really simple, uh, for example, um, having vitamin B1 or vitamin B2 in the diet is described by its scientific name. So it's called thiamine or riboflavin or some of the other B vitamins are things like pyridoxine or... Um, Coalbumin. Um, so it sounds terrible. Yeah, right? It sounds like something <laughs> yeah. that's going to make your face fall off. Um, yeah. But in fact, if, if we were to put that on human terms, um, vitamin B1, vitamin B2, so thiamine and riboflavin, those are things that we take in our multivitamin every day. Yeah. For dogs, we put it in 
to um, the com- complete and balanced dog foods, and that's why we have to list it the way we do at the end of, at the end of the the bag. Um, does that make sense, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I understand that. So, is there um, is there any generalities that pop up, like just for a baseline? Is there something that every every decent dog food should have X Y Z, or is there anything that that can be as general as that, or is it more geared towards your dog's job and your dog's breed, your dog size, those types of things? I'll start off answering it, and I'll let um, Russ sort of pop in um, to to fill in the gaps that I leave. Okay. Um, what I would say is that first and foremost, when it comes to dog food, the very first thing that that is the litmus test is, is it a complete and balanced dog food to be fed every day? Because sometimes what happens is you'll find products out there that really aren't developed to be fed every day. And they may say on them instead for intermittent use only or for supplemental use only. And those types of products aren't built for dogs who have jobs because they lack all of the, the essential nutrients that are required for a dog on a daily basis. Okay. And will I see that on the main label or will I have to dig through the label to find the, those types of words? Um, it should actually be um, on the front of the bag. It should say, um, it, it should label it for dogs. And I think it's then on the back of the bag that it says um, com- uh, complete and balanced daily use. Is that right, Russ? I've got that wording wrong. It should, it, it, it should say that if it's, if it's for daily use. So when you look down around the part where it tells you how much protein, fat, uh, carbo- uh, fiber, and water it has, for sure down there, it, it, it'll say um, either uh, complete and balance for daily use or for intermittent use only. Okay. Okay. Russ, yeah, I think it. I, I think it actually can. I, I think it can also read, uh, Jill, for that it's complete and balanced for adult maintenance yeah. or for all life stages. All life stages. Okay. for all life stages. Yes. And, and once 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 we hit the, you know that minimum level, um, after that, I think that when it comes to working dogs, we're looking for not only a high protein, high fat diet, but a diet that contains certain types of minerals, um, because some minerals are easier for the dog to use or some forms of minerals are easier for the dogs to use than others, just like with vitamins. Russ, do you want to talk through um, chelated minerals, please? Sure. Yeah. In in terms of of that, um, we can use either inorganic uh, forms of of minerals, or we can use ones that have been, um, I would say, commonly referred to as either propionated or chelated. And basically these, these minerals have been uh, combined with an amino acid or uh, changed to where they are they're more bioavailable or easier for the animal to absorb uh, and therefore does not have to be included in the diet as as high of rates um, and this makes this this certainly uh, leads to advantages um, in terms of a the dog is is better able to absorb the the nutrients that they need. Um, but at this, at the same time, it, it, uh, it doesn't max out their, their absorption capacity, which some minerals like calcium, uh, the, the, the can be tough for the dog to absorb and there's only so much they can get in. So by, by changing the, the 
the form a little bit, uh, we can increase the the amount the dog is able to absorb, so we don't have to to oversupply it in the in the diet. Okay, very interesting. And, and Jeff, I think. Uh, in terms of what we're going to talk about at HITS 2019, we're going to really dive into um, balancing different combinations of, of nutrients to get better performance and not just that you have, um, you know, all of the, the, the essential nutrients in the bag, but how you can combine them at different levels to get different types of performance. And we'll talk about that in our classes. So for say, for example, um, I'll use a pet dog example just just to, to illustrate the point. We know in pet dogs that if we change amino acid content, so the components of protein, if we alter the components of protein, we can make certain dogs have more dark hair if they're genetically predisposed to do that. So like all of all black Labradors, um, they're genetically programmed to be black, but if we tinker with the components of the protein that are in that diet, we can make black dogs blacker. And that's just an example of how we can use um, nutrient combination as a way to fine tune for performance. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, that's something I did not know that you could do that. So very interesting. So with that, the class this year, um, I know also um, we've talked a bit in the past, like, is there any proper amount to feed a dog? Or, I mean, obviously it's going to be dependent on the dog and all that, but are there some guidelines there um, for the working dogs, both as to how much and then for a feeding schedule, is there something that you would recommend over another one? So I will start out in terms of, of, of when, uh, when the best feed. Um, and some of that really has to do, Jeff, with, with, I'm going to say that the handler and looking at their schedule, but, but certainly from a, a standpoint of, of most working dogs, um, if we can, if we can design a, a feeding program to where they're, they're consuming about one third of their energy uh, in the morning and about two thirds in the evening, uh, that we find that that, uh, that split sort of works best. Um, however, we don't want the, if they're going to do a quick deployment in the in the morning, we don't want them to to feed a meal and then just immediately uh, send the dogs out to work. If uh, you know, it, it's best if they can they can uh, provide that that light meal in the morning, uh, somewhere close to an hour before they before they go to work. Uh, they'll find that 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 tends to work better. Uh, but certainly, uh, we don't want to provide a, a large meal and then send the dog out to to work. Um, for a multitude of reasons, uh, some of those some some of those uh, being associated with the increased risk of, of bloat, um, and in and in terms of the volume of food, that's also a, a very important consideration when when people start selecting uh, the the right diet. Uh, we want to we want to try to provide as much nutrition as we can, and as small a meal as we can. That still allows the dog to, uh, I'm going to say, feel, uh, be satisfied with the meal. So, in in terms of that, when we're we're trying to identify a food that that somewhere, you know, three to four to five to six cups a day um, is providing the nutrition that they need. If we start really getting above that six cups per day, um, t- multiple things happen. We we tend to see more GI. Uh, issues because the the there is 
I'm going to say maximum amounts of, of volume that the, the, the digestive tract can break down. And so once we start providing these super large meals, uh, we start getting a lot of nutrients that are not absorbed. Uh, and we end up having these you know, messy, uh, messy soft stools that everybody sees periodically. And that was, uh, I mentioned in the first show that we did, that I I talked to Dr. Klein uh, a few years back when I had a I was working a patrol dog at the time. He was a half Dutch, half Mal. I was having a hard time keeping weight on him. Um, the food I was feeding him was a very quality. It was a good quality food, but it just wasn't the right food for him for for some reason. And I know at the time when I I, I told Jill I, I think I was feeding him at least six cups, maybe more, because I was trying to get weight on him. And I remember the first thing out of your mouth was if it's, you're feeding him six cups, it's the wrong food. We, we switched the food. Um, I, I can't remember exactly which one we switched him over to, cut his food back. And I thought, well, this isn't going to work because I'm trying to keep some weight on him because he's just one of those dogs that I just had a hard time. He was working so much and so so enthusiastic about his job and running around the back of the, the police car all day that it was hard to keep weight on him. But lo and behold, once I switched his food, started feeding him a little less, the GI problem stopped, which I think then automatically got his weight to look better. And I mean, within, I don't think it was a month that his coat looked better, his structure looked better. And definitely I did see a difference in his endurance. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a a really common uh, issue that in terms of they, they have a dog that's losing weight and they, they automatically go to the answer, just offer more More. food. And uh, that sometimes, I'm going to say just contributes to the to the problem, I think uh, certainly at the at the class we're going to share some some data that that shows how once we start overfeeding an animal that the the digestibility of or the digestive efficiency of the animal actually decreases and therefore that it just contributes to to making the stools even worse. You, you know, I'd give you a human example of that, Jeff. I I think that um, when when we feed our dogs, we, we tend to think of it in terms of um, how we feed ourselves, right? So um, if we're trying to gain weight, we think all we need to do is increase the amount of food that we eat or the calories that we're eating. When in fact, if you look at bodybuilders, many times the volume of food that those guys eat is minimal, but because it is so packed in nutrition, they're able to gain mass without um, gaining fat uh, because of, because of the the concentrated component of that nutrition, you know these guys that that are um, on very strict diets with with different protein powders and different waste whey powder this and protein smoothie that and um, vitamin combination B and C. It's the same with dogs, right? But the advantage that, that that you all have as handlers is there are professionals that can design those diets for you, and you don't have to think through that um, quite like the uh, bodybuilders or weightlifters do to try and design their own diet. Um, I think that one thing that might be interesting for your listeners is we've we've thrown out a few technical terms here, and I think that it if we define those for you here and then we can dive more into them in the class, um, Russ and I have both thrown out the word digestibility, which sounds like a gross, scary word. Um, so I thought I'd better define that before people um, start wondering what that is. When we're talking about a food's digestibility, what we really mean by that is um, it, it's a simple math calculation, if you will, is how many grams of a certain nutrient 
does an animal or a person consume and how many grams of that stays inside the body versus how many of it, how many grams of that food um, is excreted out, right? So when we talk about a food being highly digestible, what we mean is that more nutrients stay in the animal to be used um, versus a diet that is low in digestibility and and therefore um, doesn't provide all the nutrients that we need. And in the, the case of your dog, Jeff, if I'm remembering correctly, the diet that he was on was pretty high in protein and pretty high in fat, but it wasn't as digestible as we thought it should be. And and that's why you had to keep feeding more and more and more when we switched him to a diet that was higher in digestibility, but in fact didn't have the same uh, high values for protein and fat. They were still more digestible. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it, it did then. And, and it, I definitely saw the results. So and that's what I, one thing I want to mention too, is that as our lead sponsor, you guys are going to have a, a large booth that hits. Um, I know there's going to be quite a few different people from your company there. And I encourage everybody that's coming to HITS to come by the booth, spend some time talking to everybody because my experience, uh, you know, over the years has been that besides the knowledge, as you mentioned in your last show, you guys are fun, easy to talk to, well worth the time to stop by, you know, go to the class, learn that, but then also come by the booth spend a little time talking to them, give them examples from your own dog, your own uh, feeding habits and stuff. And I'll tell you, I, I witnessed it and watching conversations. This isn't an infomercial in the class. It's not an infomercial at the booth. I think there might be times where people come by and say, I'm feeding brand XYZ and here's what's going on. And I'm happy with it that you guys will probably say that good for you. Keep going on with that. You know, just watch for these things. So it's well worth the, the time for everybody to come by, spend a little time networking. You'll get to know everybody from Yukonuba. You'll have some great scientists that you can reach out to later, after, long after hits, if you have any type of problems or you switch dogs and your dog isn't doing as well on the same food. So hopefully everybody uh, will take the time to come by and see you guys. Uh, is there anything else you'd want to add to, to that part of it? I was just going to say, I mean, Jeff, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that you sharing your experience with us and, and um, you know, to go on and say that we're essentially there to, to help the dogs because at the end of the day, that's exactly what we're, we're looking to do. Um, and even just to go back to the digestibility thing for just a second, that that I've done several seminars with this group of people, and I can tell you that it's probably one of the least understood but yet most important uh, things that we can talk about, and unfortunately, it's not labeled on the bag of dog food. So. That's just a good example of, of you know, one, some of the type of information we're going to try to bring to all the listeners whenever they, they come to our, our seminar at HITS is, is just some of those hidden kind of nuggets of truth that is very important and impactful for their dogs, but, but it may not be well understood. So um, as you said, come by and, and see us and we're happy to share anything with you that we can. Outstanding. We appreciate all your support with HITS over the years. You guys have been great partners with our company. So again, this year we'll be in uh, Chicago, August 13th. Uh, go to hitsk9.net for any information. Still have time to sign up early. Save a little money by signing up early. Uh, hitsk9.net. And I'll put everybody's uh, contact here from the show today in the show notes. So if you have a question for Dr. Klein or Russ Kelly, we'd be happy to uh, pass along their contact information. You can reach out to them and you can start getting some information in before you meet them at HITS. So thanks, you guys. I appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy day to jump on the show. I'm sure my listeners all appreciate all the information you gave us today. Thank you very much. See ya. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. 
Hits Radio is brought to you by the professionals at Hits Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. Hits has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.